Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and the CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and develop strategies to transform themselves and their organizations into industry leaders and sustain that industry leadership role. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I am delighted today that our guest is Karen Hewitt. Karen is an expert in people, culture, and behaviors. She holds an MBA with a communication specialism. Passionate about the subject of confidence and its application in the workplace, she spent the past seven years observing how confidence, or the lack of it, can be the key ingredient and driver of engagement, culture change, and performance. With employee confidence, a term she pioneered in the context of culture change, Hewitt urges companies to embrace a systems approach to its application and empower their employees to adopt more leader-like behaviors. So my goal for this Voice America series is to provide valuable information to leaders and emerging leaders that prepare them to lead in the dynamic times we currently face. The more highly effective leaders we have, the better the journey. So I invite our leaders and our listeners to identify one thing in each show that will either change your mindset or change your behavior and experiment with us. So in today's interconnected economy, companies need all employees, not just senior leaders, to adapt to the changes and make decisions and take ownership in their work. This is commonly referred to as employee engagement in management literature, but the real challenge lies not in making employees more engaged, but in making them more confident in their decision-making and in their ability to lead. So, Karen, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Maureen. So, in your book, Employee Confidence, The New Rules of Engagement. You explain what employee confidence is and how to instill it in employees. Can you give us an overview? Yes, I can. So employee confidence is essentially engagement plus, I call it. It's a new way of looking at employee engagement, but through the lens of confidence. So in the book, I give a step-by-step approach to how to build a whole culture of employee confidence. So that's where all employees feel confident enough to act as leaders. And also the environment is created to nurture that confidence. And the reason I took this approach, the reason I didn't take the standard engagement approach is that the one thing that is different to, uh, say, 10, 20 years ago is the rate of change in organizations. So we really need our people to not just be engaged, we need them to be change leaders. And also because of the change, they're impacted and their confidence is impacted. So that's why I took that approach. So 
the approach of the book is to look at employee engagement through the lens of confidence. So I hope that gives you a bit of an overview, Maureen. Thank you, it does. And it seems like such a brilliant concept. Even just thinking about my own career, where I didn't step up because I didn't have the confidence, in part based on the the organizational setting, and in other cases, just based on how I was wired at that point in my life. So I really look forward to hearing, as, as we talk through the interview, what leaders can do and organizations do as they're refining their cultures to create an environment where employees can have a higher level of confidence. Yeah, and that was my experience as well, Maureen. I had a personal experience around confidence through my years in business, as you mentioned, and also training change leaders, watching other people and watching them and observing that engagement wasn't the only thing that they need. So I think we probably share a um, a similar journey there. So while it seems it's ultimately the responsibility of the individual to become more confident, and I presume you and I have both done a lot of work to make that happen, leaders also have a responsibility. So can you talk about the role of the leader in creating a workplace that encourages employee confidence? Yes, I can. And I think um, you're right in what you say, Maureen, in that leaders, they do have, well, the employees in general do have a responsibility to work on their their own confidence. And I've worked on mine. But also, we know that the corporate workplace can be a real tough place to be sometimes. And you can turn up for work in a brand new job um, and you can turn up brimming with confidence, but it can be knocked. And I think line managers have a big role to play. And if I if I was to sum up what leaders can do, really, I think, first of all, they need to paint a really good vision that's going to get people engaged and really wanting to show their confidence. So there needs to be a vision for people to get behind. And then I would suggest that we put confidence on the agenda in business. Um, the reason I say that is because I've interviewed um, some sports stars at high level And all they talk about is confidence and really sports stars are really focused on their performance and getting that extra level of performance. But we rarely talk about confidence in business. So in the book, I've mapped out I've mapped out the four levels of confidence in detail so that one, it creates a discussion point so you can get it on the agenda in business and also you can work on it yourself and with your teams. So really, you know, number one, the vision. to really put in confidence on the agenda and then allowing people the space to work through those four levels would be number three. Does that make sense? It does. So let's talk about the four levels. And then the thing that strikes me as you talk about sports, uh, because I coach people in the space of, of athletics in some cases, the balance between confidence and arrogance. But let's start with um, each of the four types of confidence. Okay. Yeah, so it's a model for confidence that I developed that I really saw in myself over the years. And I didn't necessarily, um, it took me a long time to get there. So I saw it in myself. And then when I was interviewing other people and working with other people, I really saw this model start to play out. And if I was training other people, I would go through these four levels in order, um, but it's not necessarily what I did. So first of all is internal confidence. So that's really how you feel about yourself, how accepting you are of yourself, 
how true to yourself you you feel you're being and I go into a lot more detail in the book and then deep confidence is is more about having that sense of drive and purpose which creates the energy to make that confidence gain momentum and then the third rung in the ladder is external confidence which allows you to really sell that confidence to other people and this is where I really focused as a you know as a a younger executive, I really focused on the external projecting my confidence to others, which is a lot of what a lot of companies focus on, I think, you know, the how how you show up, the kind of words you use, how you stand, how you project yourself. And then the final level, which I call strategic confidence is when you've done a lot of study around how to handle people, how to step up to the critical conversations. And you're able to manage, um, I guess, you've got a lot more emotional intelligence and you're allowed to really, you're able to adapt to other people as well. So they are essentially the four levels, Maureen. So because you refer to them as levels, are they sequential or do we work on them concurrently? Yeah, I think so. If you had never, if you had zero confidence and you wanted to start from scratch and you wanted to fast track it, I would say that typically you would go up for four levels because they all build on each other. For example, the third level, external confidence, and this was my experience. I had, from an early age, I realized I needed lots of external confidence, so I really focused on that. But I realized I wasn't totally coming across as authentic and congruent because I, ha- I still had issues around the internal and the deep confidence. Um, so... It really does help to work in the four levels, but by the same token, you could uh, sometimes what I do with people is a self-assessment and they and they work, they look at the four areas and they look at where they are weaker. So they may discover there's one area that they're already very good at, but there's one bit that's the missing link for them. And then they, they get a bit of a light bulb moment that that's the bit that's holding them back. You know, as, as you say that, I also focused on the external because that's what people could see. So early in my career, very buttoned up, very proper. And over the years, I really engaged on a or embarked on a self, um, self-discovery self journey, for lack of a better term. And that took me down a lot of different paths to unpack some of the things that had caused me to lack confidence. So for me, it was a both. And if one were to observe me now versus then, I seemed probably pretty tightly wound and maybe not authentic. And that would be the bigger difference that one would see in me at this point. Yeah, I can totally relate to that, Maureen, and that's what happened to me. So I think generally as you progress in life and you progress through your career, I think there's a natural progression through these levels. But I think what's really interesting for me is we have, uh, when I think of young leaders coming into the workplace, and sometimes they're a little bit lost uh, and they maybe have different expectations. They're not sure what the organization expects from them. And there's a lot more pressure on them now with social media Um, so many more choices and I think having this confidence model would really help them uh, I guess become more resilient resilient and also to progress this a little bit um, quicker to be more successful quicker so it's a really good model to work with young people as well to give them you know you know when you sometimes say what would I tell my younger self Uh, and I think this model is what I would tell my younger self 
Mm, I like that. So if you are talking to your younger self, because again, just as we age, hopefully we go through some of this and continue to mature. What would you tell your younger self about building internal confidence? I would say learn to be accepting of yourself. Uh, Understand what are the things that you don't accept about yourself. And there are exercises you can go through to that because often those bits of ourself we don't accept because of social conditioning um, or, you know, preconceptions, things that have happened to us in the past, we project those onto others and it makes us more judgmental of others. So we, when we're judgmental of others, it really means we're judging ourselves. So it just brings more harmony in relationships, less competition, less judgment. So I'd say, Learn to love all bits of yourself because there's no good and bad. It's just sometimes uh, you're doing the wrong behaviors out of context or you're dialing up the volume too much or down too much. So there's no right or wrong. It's just sometimes wrong context or wrong volume on that behavior. Does that make sense? It does. It, um, my term for it would probably be something like being militantly self-aware <laughs> and not necessarily critical But if I were talking to someone I I care deeply about, I would give them gentle feedback. And so why wouldn't I do the same thing for myself? Although that the tone of voice I use with myself is not always so gentle. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, that phrase, you're your own worst enemy. Uh, Well, I find often we're very critical of ourselves in a way that we wouldn't be with other people and when you have internal confidence you're more your own best friend rather rather than your own worst enemy so you know there's there's a lot of elements to internal confidence but it's really um the the level of self-awareness i think is really important so now let's go to the the deep purpose as the second one and we have about three more minutes in this segment so so tell so assuming i have built a level of self understanding and self-acceptance now deep purpose okay so this is really when you find out what you really want to do and a lot of people don't um you know and I think sometimes I go into schools and I speak to young people and they're so relieved when I say that it took me uh very late in life to discover what I wanted to do but I always say to them my advice is in the absence of knowing what you want to do just try everything and, and that's what I did. I tried a lot of different angles on my career and eventually what I wanted to do found me. But in the meantime, while I was waiting for that, what I did is I, I worked on my values. I understood what my values were. And I found, um, I pursued avenues that made me feel good. So not staying in things that don't make you feel good, um, you know, that gives you deep confidence. I think we had a similar journey. I I also worked on my values, and I think I, and this is, I'm sure, an exaggeration, but it felt like I went through 20 workbooks for figuring out your life purpose. And part of it was um, figuring out what I just couldn't quit doing. So there were things in the leadership space and in the org transformation space that I kept intending to stop. But to your point, they kind of found me and it seemed that I things I couldn't quit that are healthy are, are likely that's a sign as well as, as what I feel passionate or drawn to. 
Yeah, I think when you're when you're comfortable with who you are and what you're doing, that gives you a sense of deep confidence and it allows you to build to the next level. So then the next one as we wrap up this segment was external confidence. And we've talked about body language and I assume that's also what I wear, how I carry myself. What else can you tell our listeners about external? Um, I guess in a nutshell, I would say it was absolutely essential in in organizations, you have to be able to sell yourself and your ideas. So you absolutely have to have this. So in the absence of all the others, if you need to fast forward and get some of this, you need to learn how to present yourself. And there are subtle changes you can make. Sometimes it's tiny things about the way you stand, uh, the way you use your voice and the kind of language you use that can make a real difference. So even in the absence of all the rest, in the workplace, you need to be able to sell yourself. Otherwise, you won't um, you won't be able to progress. Perfect. Thank you. So we're going to wrap this segment up now. This is Karen Hewitt and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about employee confidence, the new rules of engagement. So as we go into break, I would encourage our listeners to think about internal purpose and external confidence and where is your biggest strength and where is your biggest opportunity for development and we will be right back when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future. You are with Maureen Metcalf and Karen Hewitt, and we're talking about employee confidence, 
the new rules of engagement. So in the last segment, we talked about the four types of confidence, and we went into detail on internal confidence, deep purpose, and external confidence. Now let's, in this segment, talk more about strategic confidence. Karen, can you walk us through what this is? I certainly can, Maureen. So strategic confidence for me is the ultimate level of confidence, and it's where leadership is really put to the test. I think when there's a lot of change happening in organizations, we need people to be able to adapt quickly. And when people are under pressure, they don't always respond as we would like. So strategic confidence gives people the tools to really use those other levels of confidence that they've already gathered and then take them to the next level. And essentially allows them to cope with difficult situations. And there are certainly a lot of those in the workplace. There are a lot of those, and it seems like there will be more as we accelerate the rate of change we're all facing. Yeah, I think so. And we I, I don't think we're equipping our employees with the tools to deal with it, and they're getting their confidence knocked on a daily basis. So strategic confidence really gives them a toolkit, I would say. So in that toolkit, you have several different elements. Can you help us unpack the kit? I certainly can. So if you wanted to pack your toolkit for strategic confidence, there would be four things in there. Um, Number one is about preparation, and it's preparation for difficult conversations. Uh, And that could be any kind of conversation, really. Um, You know, we tend to think difficult conversations are in the HR domain, but actually... Um, everyday people, if they want to lead lead change within organizations, need to have difficult conversations. Just speaking to somebody about something they maybe might see as a confrontation or don't want to hear is difficult. But if we can teach them how to prepare for it, that will make it a lot easier. And then, so number two is giving them the the right proposal. So if they can find a win-win to that conversation, they're going to feel more comfortable and more confident about it because they know the other person's going to be happy with it as well. And then the final two, position and poise. Position is about really about how to build rapport and how to connect with anyone uh, instantly. And the final one, poise, is really about how to cope with the unexpected and how to read the external feedback you're getting and to adapt. So that's really a, a four-point toolkit. So... so- There's a lot in this toolkit. Where do you want to start in sharing with our listeners more about it and how to build it? Well, I think it might be, you're right, there's a lot in there. And I certainly hope, um, you know, if if people have a look at the book and it's, it's more detailed, they'll find something useful. But I think if we were to look at preparation, the very first one, I think that will probably help. And that in itself has four segments in it and the premise behind it is when we go into any conversation we essentially we're in our own heads really thinking about what we want out of it we go in purely with our own agenda Uh, but that very rarely works because obviously the other person in the conversation has an agenda as well so it, it trains you really to just sit down and go through four stages So number one is focus, which is looking at what do you want out of the conversation and and, and how you see the situation. Second part is empathy. So you do exactly the same, but you imagine literally that you're sat in the in the chair or you're in the shoes of the other person and you can see it through their eyes and imagine what they want out of it. 
And what happens then is that different things um, come to light for you. You suddenly realize that you're starting to get a more comprehensive picture of the future conversation and you can start planning for what they might want out of it. And then the third part in partiality is being able to sort of take a step back as if you were a fly on the wall, look at yourself and this other person, you know, visualize this future conversation and say, what would a third party observer an impartial person see here and what would be their solution? How would they want you to conduct the conversation? And then after that, you take a further step back and, and ask yourself, what have I learned from these three, three steps here? And often it gives you like a 4D perspective on a conversation, whereas traditionally we go in with just a 1D approach. It just seems brilliant and really helpful. And I'm thinking I would then do some kind of role play in a, in a perfect world before I would go into this conversation after I had gone through these exercises. Is that something you suggest for people? Yeah, exactly. So that preparation part of strategic confidence is really flexible and I've used it in many different ways. Um, so if you just do it as a self-coaching tool, it gives you a lot of confidence going into the conversation because you feel like you've covered all these angles and you're ready for anything. So you're hugely confident when you go into it. Um, you can also do it with uh, coach it someone else through it. As you say, you could do um, role play and look at how that may play out. Sometimes it's easier when you're coaching somebody else because we typically find it hard to get out of our own heads and see someone else's point of view. And it helps to get someone else to force you to do that. But I, you know, I use it myself for preparing presentations, difficult conversations, all sorts of things. So it's like a, a 4D perspective, which has to get you feeling more confident than just um, really having a quarter of the information. I love the idea that I prepare myself for what does what is the other person thinking and feeling and how did they get there then I can think through what does win look like and where can I push and where should I not push to ensure that we all have a positive outcome. Yeah, and I think when we go into, when conversations don't work out, when they become difficult, is I think there's the danger that the other person is not getting out of the conversation what they want. We go into it purely with what we want. Um, and perhaps it makes things difficult for them. So we might cause offense in some way. We might damage the relationship. And as we know in business, it's all about the relationship. And this is one thing I think is really challenging in business. How do we get what we want? How do we pursue our agenda? How do we be tough? How do we get results? And at the same time, preserve relationships. And sometimes it's not easy to, to balance. Uh, and I think if we can look at this strategic confidence we can prepare, we can understand the other's point of view. I think there is there is always, always a win-win outcome. And the win-win outcome is the one that gets you the results you need. But it also gets something of interest for the other party. So you get the win-win outcome and you keep the relationship as well, which is what we all want. You know, just as you're saying this, I'm thinking I just left a, a coaching session a few minutes ago and... Uh, this employee was going to be talking to her boss about a specific situation. And we talked about tying it back to the organization's overall strategy. And when we can, when we can all connect what we're looking for to the organization's desired outcome, then it's not 
give me what I want. It's really how do we both come together to create to fulfill the organization's mission. And if we're clear on that, it, it seems like we have a lot more latitude. And it's also not personal that you're not giving me what I want. You don't like me. You don't care about me. You don't support me. It's what resources does the organization have and, and what is the best, best path forward? So when and, and sustaining the relationship just looks different. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think it's absolutely key to confidence because when you feel that you're going to go into this and you're going to get the results and going to preserve the relationship, you're going to, get, you're going to meet more than your own agenda. I think it makes you feel a lot more relaxed so step one of strategic confidence, you've got uh, the 4D information and then step two, the proposal, you found the win-win. So all of this is building your confidence. Of course, you can never really totally plan out everything, which is where some of the, you know, the later parts of strategic confidence come in. But the more you're prepared and the more you've found a win-win and, and got all the information, the more it starts to build your confidence. Mm-hmm. I, I've worked with role play on occasion, and it's interesting where the person who does role play can take the the character of someone who's challenging, not not an easy role play, but what's the worst it can be, and that really when when the participant can then work it through before the conversation. Back to your point, it increases their level of confidence when they walk in, that they could navigate almost any variation in the conversation. Yeah, I think so. And and I think the reason it's important as well is not just because we want to feel confident as employees, because I think confidence makes us feel good. It feels good to be confident. Um, But I think also a lack of it stops us having these conversations. And to lead change is not easy. We're typically leading change around difficult subjects and if we want to if we don't have the confidence if our employees don't have the confidence they're just not going to have the conversations and things will stay the the status quo we won't have the change we're looking for so it's not just to feel good for us as employees it's also um, an imperative I think for organizations if we want people to take action. You know I think that's such an important statement that even some of the most senior leaders I've worked with in some situations do lack the confidence to drive the change or lack confidence in their judgment or whatever the situation is. And it's crippling for that individual to lead change if they don't think they're going to succeed. Yeah, and I think so. I think it becomes a bigger thing in your mind as well. So you just just won't take the action. I think when you don't have the confidence, you won't put yourself in that situation. You'll delegate it to someone else or you'll find a way not to have that conversation. And so you're really not not stretching yourself in a way in a way you could. Well, and as as we're talking about this, what strikes me is the organization is significantly adversely impacted, especially when senior leaders lack the confidence to lead the change that needs to happen. Yeah, I think so. And that's why I firmly believe that tackling employee engagement from this angle, from the confidence angle, is maybe something that companies haven't thought of before, but it's an absolute win-win because I think confidence is a key ingredient in performance. As I said, um, the sports world knows this already. So if we've got people operating confidently, 
then not only do they feel good and they're a lot happier. So the spin-off is the employee engagement, it's the resilience, it's the well-being, it's the mental health, it's all those things. But the company as well gets all the benefits of that and they get all the confident decision-making and the action and they're tapping into all of the untapped potential of their people, the untapped potential because people are lacking in confidence. You're making a brilliant business case for confidence because as we started, it seems like in many cases that's the job of the employee and I think we hit on that early to fix it and yet if I think of the damage leaders and employees can do unwittingly just because they lack confidence or they're afraid or whatever words you put around it, it really is a significant business impact. So, so there's a case for the business to help create that culture and the processes that do support confidence. I think so. I think absolutely. It's, it's a slightly different approach. And I, I think we're, I think companies are quite right to focus on employee engagement I'm just suggesting that maybe looking at it from a different angle is going to be key to performance. And that's what companies want. They want performance. And I think deep down, that's what employees want as well. I don't think, I think the majority of people go to work to be the best they can be as a person, to do the best job they can do to make a difference. I think that's where most of us sit. And I think employers want the same thing. And it's, it's performance, it's maximizing potential. And I believe that confidence is the missing link there because without confidence we won't even enter the race confidence is the thing that will get us to the starting line I agree and I'm thinking of, of times in my career where I may not have stepped up because I was concerned that I would fail and be visible in my failure so I I didn't and there are other places I stepped up that I probably was just unaware of where I was going to fail. And that's a different set of issues. Yeah, and I think that's where deep confidence is actually quite important because I think then you actually become almost okay with failing because you know you're going to get the learning from the failure and you and you become more accepting of yourself and that in itself can inspire other people. I think it's inspiring for other people that you've had the confidence to step up uh, and put yourself out there and even if it wasn't perfect others will think well actually I should have the confidence to do the same yeah I think any of my early public speaking and the early interviews I think I sounded like I had Tourette's so definitely in a position of learning and just with the acceptance that while it wasn't pretty there was no way to get to where I was going except through the learning curve and the insecurity I think so, yeah. And I realized that at an early age that I, I wasn't very good at it. Um, I come to all of this as a natural introvert that had to work really hard on the external confidence. <laughs> and, um, and when I got there, I realized that I was actually really good at my external confidence, but there were a few things missing that would make me a much more authentic leader. And that's when I started working on, on the other things. Yeah, I would love to, we're going to go on break now, but I would love to, as we come back, hear about what you did to build your own internal confidence and deep confidence. For our listeners, I encourage you as we're on break to think about the process that Karen laid out and how do you prepare for difficult conversations and are you taking 
taking the time to understand the position of others. We'll be right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leadership co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leaders, Co-Creating Your Future, You are with Maureen Metcalf and Karen Hewitt, and we're talking about employee confidence, the new rules of engagement. And so as we went on break, Karen was saying that she's had to overcome her own challenges as have I. Karen, can you give us a little insight into what you needed to do to get where you are now? Uh, Yeah, it's been quite a long journey, as young as I sound, Um, but um, yeah, I've, I've had to work quite hard and... And I say that because um, as a child, I was painfully shy and I actually had a stutter till I was about 11. And so I refused to speak um, at school because everyone laughed at me. So I I really, um, I really wanted to get somewhere in life and I knew where I wanted to get and I wanted to do really well. But as soon as I hit university and went to into the workplace I realized that I was finding it really difficult to get my message across I was finding it difficult to speak in public so I really had to work hard at the external confidence as I said so I focused my efforts on that for about 10 years so I went to a lot of training in public speaking and these days I I train other people in in public speaking which I think is quite ironic because I had such a journey to get there but Maybe it's because I had that journey that I can empathize with other people. So that's that's one of the things I did, and that was around external confidence. You know, I also had trouble with public speaking. And probably complete terror would be the, the right term. And I ended up taking improv classes to help. 
And you're right that talking to people who have had to overcome it, as a teacher, that for me was easier because I didn't feel judged by the person running the class. Yeah, and that's you've you've sparked off another thought in me now, Maury, when you say taking improv classes, because um, just flitting back to internal confidence. So once I'd mastered that external confidence, I then inadvertently started working on the internal confidence. And I realized one of the things I recommend in my book is about challenging yourself constantly. And that's what I did at an early age. I realized I did a lot of doing the things that scare me most. And I started with that public speaking because you imagine as a child with a stutter and being laughed at, the the worst thing for me was to stand up in front of people. But I I refused to be um, outdone, really. And I, I worked really hard on that. And I, I, scared, I worked through the fear. I And now I think of it, it's like fear is just like a coach. You put it on. And you walk through it and it, you come out the other side of it and, and the coat is like multicolored. It feels amazing. <laughs> um, so and when you say improv classes, one thing I did a couple of years ago, just because I wanted to challenge myself even more, is I did a course in stand up comedy. And um, if you ever want to test your confidence, even as a confident public speaker, I would say stand up comedy is the ultimate test, um, which which was very, very scary. And. Uh, but I learned a lot about improvisation there, and I think that's a really good skill to have as well. Yeah, it did seem, and I don't consider myself the brilliant public speaker, uh, more informative than entertaining, but the improv piece really allowed me to go off script and navigate with a sense of humanness the people in the audience who are trying to learn, but they don't always learn according to my script. No, and I think that is the balance because I think as human beings, we, you know, confidence as well has got something to do with wanting to feel in control and we can really prepare and feel really in control, but there will always be this element of not being able to control something and you need to be able to sort of, I guess, get confident and comfortable with that. And and when I was, um, so probably... About 15 years ago, when I said I had a few career changes, I actually retrained as a simultaneous interpreter. And so I worked at the United Nations for a while. And I, when you work as a simultaneous interpreter, you can prepare and prepare and prepare, but you never really know what you're going to get. And you have to be prepared to really not improvise as such, but to think really, really quickly. And you have to get comfortable and confident with that to, to trust your instincts and be able to do that. So even that training as an interpreter really takes me back to this model. You know, I was projecting the internal external confidence with my voice so that people would listen to me. You know, I, I had a deep confidence about I was doing the right thing. And but the internal confidence as well, challenging myself and the strategic confidence, being prepared to adapt when I the words that came in weren't quite what, what I expected. Mm-hmm. You know, it just as I'm listening it seems like it takes decades of internal work to really get there. And I think of of the current models that say you play to your strengths and, and really build on those. And yet I think for both you and I, this ability to speak in public was not a strength. And yet if I think about deep purpose, I couldn't accomplish my deepest sense of 
of life purpose without having an ability to work more agilely, if that's a word, uh, with with people, with a range of people in this more improvisational space. Yeah, and I think, so it did take me decades, and uh, I sometimes wish I'd uh, got to grips with this confidence thing, you know, the completely rounded <laughs> approach earlier. But the advantage now I have is hindsight. So I've documented this, and I've interviewed other people, and I've seen it in other people. So now I can fast track people I think and introduce this to people at a younger age because as I said it's it's lessons I wish I'd taught you know I could say to my my younger self so I think the advantage of having documented the model now means that possibly other people wouldn't have to take the decades to go through it although you know we know when we go through it ourselves it it teaches us a lot there's no substitute Mm -hmm. for that doing it yourself but I would like to be able to fast track other people so as we think about your model, you have four levels. And just for listeners who have, are just hearing this for the first time, internal confidence, deep purpose, external and strategic. How would I as a listener self-assess against each of those so that I can pinpoint where I need to focus and fast track, as you've mentioned? Yeah, I think you could you could go around this um this model and you could just ask yourself a few key questions and see what resonates and then that would maybe give you a bit of an idea on where you would need to focus for example if we look at internal confidence first so if you were to ask yourself how comfortable do you feel with who you are in the workplace and and deep confidence you could ask yourself how confident are you that you're doing what you want to be doing what you know to be right And then external confidence, how confident do you feel selling your ideas to others? And then strategic confidence, how confident do you feel having difficult conversations with all kinds of people? So it's just like a quick, that's just one of the high level questions I would do for each area and ask people just to jot down, you know, to to pinpoint if there's anything coming up for them. Maybe they're happy with three areas, but there's one they'd like to do some work on. And then we could go into the detail. So say I've gone through and I've assessed and what I really lack is a sense of internal confidence. I, I can show up and fake it. I have a sense of who I am, but there are just some things in my early life that I'm trying to transcend. So I, I don't yet have that abiding sense that it'll all be fine and that I'm good enough. How would I navigate that? What would you recommend to me? Okay, so there are a few different angles, and I'm going to talk from my experience here because I find one thing that happens in the workplace in particular is that our brains are geared up to think a certain way. We're very left-brained in the workplace, unless we're in the creative industries. um, We're in a company that gives us a lot of um, outlets for the right brain. We really are, I would say, um, we're... In organizations, we're overthinkers, and so we're not trusting our gut enough. We're not going with um, our right brain. I see it all the time in the workplace. Uh, We're overthinking everything. So I would work with them to understand really the different options to get their right and left brain more in harmony, show them the, the advantages of using the right brain, and get them working with that a little bit more. Because sometimes a little bit of understanding that there's more options open to them 
can give them that self-understanding. Okay. So working more with my right brain so that I understand myself and understand some of the options. And then how do I start to accept my own fallibility? Yeah, so I think this is understanding the things that you're not happy about in yourself. And you often can't see this except that um, in Jungian psychology, um, there's a saying that the world is a mirror. Mm-hmm. So if you if you can't see what's wrong in yourself, then you just have to look outward and see what you're seeing in other people. And when I was taught this concept, I just had a bit of a wow moment. I, and I realized that everything that I see out in the world that is bothering me is actually just gives me a lesson for myself. And so it tells me what's actually I'm I'm not comfortable with so you can coach somebody through this and they start you start to see particular words that come up for you that that really bug you and they might mm-hmm. bring up experiences and and really I think 50% of change is just awareness so once you get this awareness a lot of the stuff that bothered you just loses its emotional charge completely so I find that's really valuable just to discover the things that you're not happy about and just let them go and then they become a non-issue so this is the the shadow work right that i project out my own the things i dislike about myself or i was told as a child it's not okay to be angry so i tell myself i'm not angry but i see other angry people all around and so i make peace with the idea of it's okay to be angry is that the the short version Yeah, no, that's absolutely what it is, Maureen. And I think what I've done is taken that idea into the world of confidence because that affects your confidence. I think when you are judging yourself, you're judging other people and then you're asking yourself what other people are judging in you and that knocks your confidence as well. So once you erase all of that, I think you allow your confidence to grow, to be nurtured. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's the ego distortions or the self distortions that make me either not confident where I should be or in some cases confident where I shouldn't be. And then I do fail and it reinforces that all of those negative messages I have about myself. Yeah, I think we're essentially, we're, you know, with internal confidence, we're clearing the garden of weeds so that the confidence can grow. You know, they say that flowers, you know, you can you can have the best flower with the best start in life, but if it's in bad soil and the weather's not very good, then it's not really going to grow. So I think we're all born with these levels of confidence and internal confidence just clears the weeds out of the way and lets the confidence do what it wants to do. So do you have a practice, an ongoing shadow practice or journal practice or something that enables you to continue to build? Or do you just hit a point where you're just there? That's a really good question, Maureen, um, because I was asking myself then. I was thinking, do I do that? And I think I kind of, I think it's good to have it ongoing and, and to be regularly asking yourself, you know, what's bugged me today and, and, and what what do I need to learn from this? And I think the way I do that is not physically by journaling, uh, but whenever things annoy me, I ask myself, what do I need to learn from this? And I can't always see it instantly, but Mm -hmm. I know the answer is going to come and I know what I need to learn from that. But at the beginning, yes, I was, I did a lot of work 
on myself, literally writing things down and going through exercises to find out what were the things I needed to clear out of the way for my confidence to grow. You know, it's interesting that we're doing this interview today because I am taking a workshop on shadow work and really going through a phase where I'm cleaning up my own garden, pulling out the weeds. (laughs) And I, I do go through phases where I'm just more ready and more confident to do that and getting to the next level of of weeds and self-talk and the stuff that gets in my way. Yeah, and I don't think we need anything to get in our way. We all need to be operating at maximum potential and being the best we can be. So the more we can clear those weeds out, the better. And for me, it's gone in phases where I'll get to a point where I'm kind of exhausted by it and I need to take some time off. But the one thing I have done consistently, and I hear recently, you know, this idea that when someone's doing something that's frustrating me, I I now, my mantra to myself is shut up, pay attention, and really ask the question, is it them or is it me? So is it my shadow that I need to clean up, or is it a real crucial conversation that I need to have? You know, if, if somebody's jumped out of their car at a stoplight and they're beating the hood of my car, clearly I need to have a conversation. But for more of the nuanced things that we deal with on a daily basis, I'm really trying to use that as an opportunity to see where am I projecting onto others that I need to just weed out and where am I needing to take the opportunity to address something that is is real and valid. Yeah, so can you imagine the power in organizations, Maureen, if we had everybody thinking like this, if we had every single employee looking after their own confidence, almost self-service confidence, you imagine the power of the organization. (laughs) They just wouldn't have to worry about it. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. thinking of some of the young people I coach and and thinking very much of how do I want to use your book and and give them your book so that they can build the sense of confidence and have the tools to work through because I think probably for most of us we'll continue to hit speed bumps hopefully smaller ones as we navigate forward but speed bumps nonetheless Yeah, and sometimes actually the bigger bumps give us the biggest jumps in confidence because we get some great learning in the end. So as we wrap up, um, would you give our listeners your contact information so that they can get your book? Yes, I'd love to. So the book can be bought at any outlet where you can buy a book online or offline. So it's Employee Confidence, The New Rules of Engagement. And I'm always talking about Employee Confidence on LinkedIn and I'm Karen J. Hewitt on LinkedIn. Karen, thank you. This has just been brilliant and I think such really important information for employers and leaders to think about not just how we engage our employees but that confidence is a necessary ingredient to being truly engaged. So for our listeners, I hope you have heard something today that you can put into place. And one is to to question your own confidence and what do you need to get to that next level. You are listening to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. This is Maureen Metcalf. I encourage your feedback at either info at 
InnovateLeader.com or Innovating Leadership on Facebook. And I hope that you will join us again soon. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.